As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Saint Happy Hour podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of the Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of the Now Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. The zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't even have a joke, Dave. Dave smells like nougat. Now here's your host, Ralph Malbrose. All right, welcome to Saints Happy Hour Podcast. Andrew, this week we have a new special sponsor for one week. It's Lotus Transport LLC. Uh, You can go to their uh, website, ship at, you can follow them on Twitter, Twitter, ship with Lotus at ship with Lotus. You can go to their website, Lotus Transport LLC. Uh, they're offer they're awesome. They offer a solution for all your transport needs. Nationwide network of carriers uh, handles all types of freight. Their experienced st- staff will get the job done. That's from Daniel. Uh, he was excited that he actually almost predicted the Marcus Davenport trade, except he thought it would be a second and a fifth to get to like seventeen, not next year's number one pick to get there. Um, so that's exciting. Um, so Andrew, uh, let's start there. Marcus Davenport. It's controversial. We'll get into to analysts and all that. But your after you've had like a couple of days to think about it, your overall thoughts on the trade? Yeah, uh, I like the player. I like his potential. Uh, I like the pick. I hate the trade. Um, so I, I I can't remember if I said that after. If I was that measured, you know, after the draft when we had our show, our post-draft show, or if I said something similar to that. But, you know, that that's kind of where I stand on it. I mean, first of all, you know, you have a lot of people saying, well, if, if it's two 27th, 27th overall picks, we, we don't know that. We don't know where the Saints pick next year. So, you know, Drew, Drew Brees blows out his knee and it's, you know, Deshaun Watson and the Texans and you lose the fourth overall pick, which is what they lost. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I hope the saints win the super bowl and I can stomach it a lot more if they're picking 32nd. <laughs> um, but, um, we don't know that. So, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's a huge risk. Huge risk. It's, and, and here's the thing. That's, that's the thing I was fighting with people on Twitter. They were, they were, I was saying, look, I thought about it overnight. I was, I, I liked it even initially when we did and I was drunk and we did the the fun cast on Thursday because you can't, there's, there's no other way to get a defensive end, right? Right. 
you, you can't get you can't get a 10 sack defensive end past 25. You can, but it's like a 25% chance. The Saints, Marcus history says Marcus Davenport has like a 50 something percent chance of working out and being really good. So the Saints went, we got to get a defense elite pass rusher because we missed out on Wilkerson, we missed out on other people, so we got to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So I was okay with it. But the thing I was fighting with on Twitter, people were like, well, you know, it really wasn't that much of a trade. And I was like, and they're like, well, it's really not. They didn't really give up two number ones. They swapped number ones this year and gave up a number one next year. So it's really only one number one. I'm like, dude, it's two number ones. It was a shitload to yeah, get up to give up. They went all, they went all yeah. in. You know, and, and that's that's okay. Like if and people were like, well, you're not the president of YOLO anymore. I'm like, listen, if you're the president, YOLO is fun and we love it. But in order to be YOLO, it's got to have intense risk, right? That's why they call, they call it you only live once, right? So that's the thing. Like the Saints have, have said, fuck the process. This fuck all this. We're going all in. with yeah. yeah, this is they waited all off season. We kept saying, Moon, maybe they haven't. Maybe they're not going to go YOLO. Maybe they've changed. No, they waited and waited. And really, they they admitted that they've been locked in on this dude for like a couple of months. Like once free agency went by and they didn't get a pass rusher, they basically said in the draft, we're getting a pass rusher. It's going to be Davenport because we can't get high enough to get Chubb. You know, here's the thing. Um We've been talking about the Saints getting a pass rush opposite Cam Jordan since Junior Gillette left. Really, since the day he left, they haven't been able to replace Gillette. And, you know, I was surprised last year by how decent the pass rush was given what happened to Nick Fairley. And I was surprised that Nick Fairley was so good the one year he played for the Saints. And so the last two years, I think overall, pass rush has been much better than I expected. Uh, but that being said, they've never really had that second guy, that second threat uh, after Jordan that was dominant. So, I mean, Fairley was probably the closest thing they've had, but he was coming from the interior. So we've been wanting this. We've been wanting them to pursue guys in free agency. We've wanted guys drafted, and it, it hasn't worked out. And finally, they get a guy. Now, it's got to work. He's got to be good. Um yeah, uh, but uh, the the thing the thing He's, is like if he doesn't, you had to take some risks to get a pass rusher. Like either you were going to pay a ton in free agency, and for me that wasn't really an option for a couple reasons. Number one, they all get franchised. Number two, you're going to pay Cam Jordan maybe the richest deal for when's a defender his, ever next year. Um, when's his contract? I think, up? Isn't After. it this off season? Or is it the next? I think it's okay. two more years, but, but still. Regardless, but still. like when it comes time to pay him, he's going to want the richest deal ever for a defensive player. And what, think of this. Who's, who's the last huge defensive end that switched teams? That was like a can't-miss stud guy. I mean, Olivia Vern, uh, Vernon went from the Dolphins right he's to not, the Giants. He's but he's, he's, and he was really – no. So, I mean, like, you can't, I, I can't think of one. I mean, I can think of receivers no, that move and linebackers and offensive line. I mean, he's a franchise player. Um, so, yeah, you no, know? They, they, they're, they're going to have to pay him an enormous contract. And so I don't think you can, you can't put all your resources in at, at that position twice. I, they just can't sign a guy. So, you know, the way you do it is you stack it. I mean, it's kind of like how, like, 
they're able to pay Ted Ginn and Cam Meredith right now because Michael Thomas is on his rookie deal, and they're able to pay Teron Armstead and Unger because they've got Pete and Ramchick on rookie deals, and that's how it works. You know, you got to kind of divide it up. You know, some of your assets are guys on rookie deals that are cheap, and you combine that with the guys you're paying a ton to, and it's why when you have a quarterback like Goff or Wentz that are on rookie deals, you can build an incredible roster with expensive players because you're not paying 10% of your cap to a quarterback. So um, right now the saints are about to invest a ton of resources in a Jordan. And I, I just think the path to a pass rusher is through the draft and um, they weren't going to get Chubb. So Davenport, I mean, the consensus is those are the only two pass rushers this year. So thanks. Yeah, no, and, and, and that's the thing. Like I, I was, and, and I was arguing with an NFL expert today, and, I, and they were like, well, look, the Saints could have waited. They could have got Landry. They could have got Carter. I'm like, listen, you can believe that, but 32 NFL teams just had a draft, and they basically told you, we don't think any of those other pass rushers you just mentioned can be elite. Now, Listen, you don't know how the draft is going to go. Landry might be good. Lorenzo Carter might be good. You can name you can name two other ones. Saints Twitter probably screaming at me that hated the trade. Names that they really mm-hmm. liked, right? But NFL teams said they don't like them. And and there's no there was there was Chubb, a little bit of gap. Sixty-seven percent of double-digit sack guys are picked in the top twenty. Yeah. So you. Like that, that that's that might even be higher than like getting a franchise quarterback, yeah. you know, like where like you can get a quarterback, you can get Brady, later, you can get Breeze later, like you can name. I mean, yeah, like you, but like this, this is the, this is the pathway, and the Saints look at their defense and they're like, we gotta have an edge rusher, dude. we gotta we gotta get a guy, and they're like, how do we get a guy? This is the way, and it's it's almost like you know. Remember Indiana Jones and I forget the, it's the last crusade. Right. And he has to like take the leap of faith of just like jumping off the cliff. And like, there's a bridge there that he can't see. Like that's what the Saints got to do. They just got to do it. They just got to jump and say, fuck, we got, you know, and it could, it could blow up and it could be awesome. But I, I guess we, feel, we always talk about like extreme you know, like he could be- to me. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. Like <sighs> I, it, it's, it's the definition of YOLO. Like, if Jarris Bird hadn't gotten hurt, it could have been a great pickup. And at the time, the Saints went for it because they felt like the one missing ingredient was like a defensive playmaker. And they thought Jarris Bird was going to be what Darren Sharper was. And, and it was. It, well, that's a, good, that's a good place to start. We felt, you know, going into 2014, we were like, this is the deepest Saints roster ever. This team is loaded. It's phenomenal. Um, and we were, of, we were, of course, wrong, and they went into the doldrums of seven and nine. But how do you think it compares to – how do you think 2018 compares to 2014 if you're being objective? How close are the, how close are the rosters or how much better is 2018 in your opinion? Or is it at all? Well, I mean, I, I think anytime you have injuries and, and bad luck, and that's, that's what 2014 was all about, I mean – rosters are fragile even the good ones you know um so you know a couple things happen and i think it it can spell trouble for your team but 
You know, the thing I kind of keep going back to last year is just the number of injuries they had on the offensive line. And it's kind of shocking that they were able to keep it together last year, considering how much. Look at, hey, look at PFF's injury chart. The bottom 12 teams with the most injuries, the Saints were the only one that made it playoffs. Yeah, so I think that says something about their depth. And when you look at guys later in the year that produced, I mean, George Johnson, Manti Teo, um, (laughs) Josh Hill at tight end. I mean, you know, they had some guys that were stepping up um, and and playing pretty well. So, you know, I I feel pretty good about the depth of this roster. And then you look at guys like Davenport and, you know, he's going to be helped by the coverage. You know, when you have Lattimore and you have Ken Crawley, I mean, yeah. It makes it a little easier to get there. So you hope that that kind of helps his development. But I, I think I really think the best thing the Saints have going for them is that a lot of these horses, with the exception of Cam Jordan and Drew Brees, are really young. When you look at some of their best players, I mean, Marcus yeah. Williams, Marshawn Latimer, Alvin Kamara, you know, I would say their offensive linemen and Ingram, I mean, some, the offense, you know, they've got some guys that are a little long in the tooth, but Michael Thomas, um, you know, there's a lot of really good young talent. And so um, you just have to hope that Davenport can develop and be committed and, and just be another guy because, you know, there's less margin for error with this draft class. That's the thing. Last year, Anzalone yeah. got hurt. Um, Hendrickson got banged up and really wasn't that great. Um, but they had – Muhammad was yeah. never in the plan, but but, he's but it was pick, one of those you know? things where, you know, they had some margin for error because they had some guys that were really performing. This year, Davenport has to be great. Yeah, and I mean the the thing is too, I think that's really going to help Davenport is, you know, and I, people got on me last year because they were saying, you know, PJ Williams can be a good corner, he can be he can be a, a a good solid NFL player, and I was like, he can't be because he's never fucking played NFL games, right? And that it was the whole PJ Truther thing. Well, I have a guy that I just love on the Saints defense, and I think he's going to step up and be phenomenal. Onyemata. Like, I look guy. at Onyemata. He never played. F- I love him. I love him because, Andrew, he played like five minutes of football in Canada, played like 30% of the plays his first year because the Saints needed to him. They got banged up. They needed him to play. He played. He flashed, but he, he got his ass whipped a bunch. But in the San Diego game and other games, he made these great plays. Last year, he played a ton and made some plays, got better. Like, I think he can come on and be, he maybe not fairly from 2016 but he could be really good and when you add in cam jordan and a really good on yamada and even if Rankins just continues to give you what he gave you last year where he can be a guy that can move along the line and do a bunch of different things that you ask him suddenly davenport is like hey davenport we're gonna single you up and see if you can beat us and he's got the physical skills to do it and i just think it's a really good fit for him now it's it it's not the exact same comparison, but in twenty in two thousand, the Saints added Darren Howard and he got eleven sacks. Now, you know, Leroy Leroy Glover was phenomenal in two thousand, but it's pretty care, comparable to Cam Jordan. Now that team had Norman Hand and Joe Johnson, which were you know, Joe Johnson's just better than anybody else the Saints have on their D line. But if you get a little bit of bump from Onyamata and 
you know, and Rankins, then it frees up it's frees up Davenport to where it's a lot of pressure on him, but he gets a lot of opportunities. You know, he'll have a lot. I think he, I think he's going to have a ton of opportunities, Andrew, to make a bunch of plays because Okafor did this past year, right? Yeah. I like Okafor. Yeah. I mean, so I I just think with Davenport and the thing about Davenport is like his, his physical skills are just ridiculous. Like he was, 190 pounds now he's like 260 what is he like 260 you know and he runs like a 4 4 5 i mean to me it's not it's not impossible that he mm-hmm. is really raw but he can like learn on the that he can like learn on the job and like make plays and we can have these arguments with these nfl analysts like the middle of the year where they're like so what that Davenport has seven sacks. He's not doing anything else. He's not really playing. He, he's he's just playing on passing oh, situations. I, I would, he's still I would not love worth what the for Falcon bloggers to be like Brian, to be like Brian Havoc <laughs> and say that Davenport's terrible because all he does is is get sacks and at a high percentage, and he doesn't get that many pressures. Like you know, you know how uh, Brian was throwing major shade at Vic Beasley. Basically saying that his sixteen and a half sacks were awful or whatever. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I would, mean, I would that's, love, that, that's I would the love formula. For, that's and you know, by the way, Brian was kind of right because, well, Beasley got hurt, but his second year was not nearly as good, or the next year was not nearly as good. But uh, for Davenport, I would love yeah. nothing more than for a bunch of people to be dogging him and, and saying like, "Yeah, he's not that good," but then he somehow he has ten sacks. Yeah, he's he's got twelve sacks, but only nineteen quarterback hits, and that is not sustainable, <laughs> Andrew. Not sustainable. And you're like, I don't give a shit about sustainable. Can he sustain it through the Super Bowl? Yeah, I, I don't know? care about sustainability. Uh, I want production. <laughs> I want I want another Lombardi yeah. trophy. I don't give a. I mean, that's I don't what the give it's all about, right? What happens? Instant gratification. But here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, yeah, I will say. I think we have to be very careful about expectations. I think when you trade two first round picks, there is this instinct to want, you know, immediate production on the field. And I think we're a little spoiled in how well um, Kamara and Lattimore played the rookie years. To me, this pick feels a little bit more like a junior Gallette, even though he wasn't drafted or, um, a Zach Streif or a Stinchcomb or a German Bushrod in that I believe he can eventually get to a Pro Bowl level, but I don't know if it's going to happen in year one. I mean, it's important to remember that he played for UT San Antonio. He's a conference, what was that, Conference USA? Yep, so he's a Conference yeah. USA player and he put up eight and a half sacks last year. Now he's gotten better every year, but it's not like he was gangbusters. Um, his tape against Texas A&M is very good. So I, you know, yeah, I think you look at him against some elite guys, but the, the bottom line is it's not like he put up huge numbers I and mean, he's, it's not like he was in the PAC 12, like Kikaha and, and put up 17 and a half sacks and led the nation. You know, he wasn't putting up production like that. So his ceiling is of course much higher than Kikaha's, but the guy had eight and a half sacks last year. He's raw. I just think it's unfair to you now Cam Jordan had one sack his rookie year. One. He played in 16 games. He had one sack. I remember us talking about Jordan after his rookie year and basically saying, This guy's kind of a bust. He kind of sucks. Um, he's pretty good against the run, but like he's never gonna be a sack guy. So it takes time for some of these guys yeah. to develop. 
And to me, I, I just look at his write-up. I look at his skill set. I, I think if he stays committed and he stays, you know, on the course, I think he'll be a great NFL player. I don't think we're going to see a Lattimore type rookie season from him. I could be wrong. I mean, I look at him and you know my thing about high draft picks is if the Saints pick a guy and they need him to play and he's not playing by a coach's choice, that's a bad sign. Like Stanley Jean-Baptiste, I knew by November of his first year, he was garbage because the Saints were signing uh, Fredericks and other dudes off the street and playing them over him. And they desperately needed a corner in 2014, Andrew. Any replacement level corner would have done and won them a division title, right? So, yeah. So, because it, and so I think when that happens, it means one of two things. Either you're so bad in practice that they, but the, the team's just like, we can't even put this guy out there because he's totally incompetent. Or, and, and I think this is the most likely thing, B, we're not seeing enough effort. We're not seeing enough commitment. We're not seeing enough maturity. Like we can't reward this guy with playing time because he's just frankly not working hard enough. And I don't know what Stanley Jean-Baptiste's work habits were like. I, I think with Jean-Baptiste, it was actually the, the opposite. I think with most guys, you know, Sullivan or whatever, I think it's just with habits. But I think with Jean-Baptiste, it may have just been like, this guy can't do it. He, he just doesn't get it. But from everything I hear about this guy, he's smart, he's conscientious, he loves football. And that's one thing Sean Payton, you know, when he says they evaluate these guys, they're looking for guys that love football. They, they're looking for guys that love being in the film room. Um, and they felt really good about this guy. Now they felt really good about Brandon cooks and that blew up in their face. So, you know, I, I don't know that necessarily, uh, them feeling great is a good thing, but everything I've read is that the personality and the character checked out so fast with Davenport that in the interview room, they basically immediately went to game film because they were like, okay, we, we know you're fit in the locker room. We know we like your your style, your ethic, all that. So let's dive into this to the X's and O's. And apparently he passed that with flying colors. And so you start to feel really good about him being a coachable guy that can improve. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is I just, like I said before, I think he's going to get, he's going to get chances. Um, you know, as long as he doesn't get hurt, um, you know, and, and and look, the the thing is, other teams were going to – like, he wasn't going to be there at 18, 19. So the Saints had to do this. Like, Seattle basically admitted, we traded out of our spot because he's who we wanted. Uh, I think Oakland would have taken him. I think New England would have would have taken him there. You know, New England sort of never tells you what they're going to do. But I, I think it's fair to say that they would have taken him, you know. The, Saint, the Saints had to give up their first first pick next year to get him, no doubt about it. Absolutely. And and and, it- and I think I said this on our last show, but I just want to say it again. I want to apologize. I was dead wrong. I said that there was no way the Saints were leaving this draft with their 2019 second round pick intact. It is intact. They traded their first. They traded their first. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God. You know, but – They've they've done this since the moment they signed Breeze, right? They just 
they take risk. It's how they roll. It's what they do. And you can't really be too mad at it. But the rest of the draft doesn't always work. No, it doesn't always work. I mean, they, they you know, uh, we'll get to one of their offensive line picks. But the, the second round, the second pick they had, uh, Traquan Smith, uh, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. They said they had a good grade on him. A lot of people like him. I, I, I saw like some mixed write-ups on him. But I look at him, Andrew, as like, I think he's a guy that – is going to be in that Kenny Stills kind of not Kenny Stills kind of range of like thirty-five to fifty catches. I really do. I, you know, I, I think if you're Brandon Coleman, you hate that. <laughs> That's um, what they say about NFL players. They, they look and they say, did did they, they, they did they pick my position? Oh no, good. Yep, yep. I, I think Brandon Coleman hates that pick because this kid can block. He, he shows a lot of effort blocking and. Unlike Willie Sneed, who's a good blocker, um, he has size to go with that the effort that he puts in at the second level. So, um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, if, if Traquan Smith starts to produce in the passing game, uh, that's that's how he can leapfrog a guy like Coleman pretty quickly. So Coleman's going to have his work cut out for him. Um, I like what the Saints have done this offseason at receiver. I mean, they they've let go of Sneed, they've added Cam Meredith, they've added Traquan Smith, and uh, you know, an important, interesting stat, and they added um, Benjamin Watson too, but you, you look at an interesting stat. I mean, first of all, Ben Watson caught more balls than all their tight ends combined last year. Because he's 170 years old. He's a Highlander. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to cut off Brandon Watson. You, you have to cut off Benjamin Watson's head in order to stop him from being produ- a productive tight end. But uh, – <laughs> And he's but, um, one of those weird dudes. His best years are like now when he's ancient. When he played for New England and was winning yeah. Super Bowls and all, he was like a blocking guy. He was drafted there like, ah, he can't really – he's not really – kind of mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, so I, one thing I have noticed about the offense, you know, we talk about third down struggles and they were 37% or whatever. They have definitely added – size, strong hands, and ability in tight spaces. I mean, that's what Meredith, Watson, and Traquan Smith all give you. And so I just think that's going to help them tremendously on third down. Traquan Smith, 78% of his catches last year at UCF went for first downs. Um, So and and when you look at Meredith and Traquan, what they offer you, which is very similar to Michael Thomas – is their ability after the catch. They're hard to tackle. Um, they don't go down easily. Uh, they're not guys that won't take a hit, you know, and just kind of go to the ground like Snead or Lance Moore did a lot. So um, they're physical receivers that will run you over. And if you're a smaller corner in the slot, um, they're going to get a first down on third and five over you. So I, I think this is uh, with Breeze and where he's at with his arm strength and his playing style and, and you know, kind of how the offense went last year. Um, I think this is a good move. I think this – I really like what they've done offensively. I wish they had added someone that was maybe a little bit more exciting and explosive, but they, they have Kamara for that. Um, and I feel like they're at a much better place converting third down. I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, and while you're thinking about it um... – I'm going to thank the guy who did our graphics. So of the three new receivers, Meredith, Smith, Benjamin Watson, ben- Benjamin Watson, the sequel coming back, who's going to catch the most passes? So while you think on that, I want to thank uh, 
Dave, king in perpetuity of the crew to who. He made our great graphics when you people hated our Fiverr graphics that I paid $13 for. They had Dave. Yeah, they – Dave offered to do the graphics. They had another another couple of people that offered that I'm going to use for Twitter. Uh, they did it like a Johnny Walker uh, bottle. Dave did it kind of faux Jack Daniels. Uh, everybody loves it now. So I wanted to thank Dave for taking the time, taking our edits, and he did it for all. He did it for the page, for YouTube, for Twitter, for Facebook, all of it. So Dave, thanks for listening. We appreciate you, guy. So Andrew, who's going to of the new receivers? Who's going to catch the most passes? I'm going to go with Ben Watson. I mean, he's Breeze's boy, and uh, I, I know that's not—I I know that's not the sexy pick. Um, and I know that you know we want Cam Meredith to be awesome or the rookie Traquan to, but you got to earn it with Breeze. You got to earn your stripes. You got to come ready. You got to work out with him. You've got to, you know, be in the film room. Watson, there is no one. Watson, I don't think he'll be 2015 Watson where he catches 75. But what can he be for the Saints in 2018? I mean, the thing is, Watson, like, unless he gets injured, you know he's going to be a professional. You know he's going to go out there and do everything that's asked of him and then some. And you know that he is never going to let Drew Brees down or he's going to be sick for doing it. And also – And I I just think that carries a lot of weight with with Brees. I mean, he will stay stay after practice. He will talk to Brees about the dumbest nuances (laughs) – of these situations that they'll only see once a year, but those conversations that they spent, I mean, this is what sports is all about. Like even if you're a softball player and, or, you know, whatever, any sport and, and you talk about situations like random situations with your buddies and you analyze it, overanalyze it. And you talk about it so much that every once in a while, like it'll come up in a game situation and that conversation you had about, you're like, holy shit, that actually applied and we did it and we were in sync because we talked about it. And I just think with Breeze and Watson, there is that sixth sense where being on the practice field after hours when everyone else is gone is going to lead to him. Is it's it, For me, it's strictly a health and, and if Watson is healthy, he's going to catch and here's 60 And here's the thing that I think – it's one of the things we talked about last year going because we remember in the preseason we were excited about the Saints pass rush and we were like, look, they played all these crappy teams, Cleveland and the Texans and all this, but at least we were pretty confident that when they play crappy or beat up offensive lines, their pass rush can do some things and we were excited about that. I think the same kind of ex- applies to Ben Watson, Andrew, in a sense of, I mean, when the Saints play a team that's beat up at linebacker or beat up in the secondary, Ben Watson is still going to be good enough to have that those two, three games where he catches eight balls. And it's it's not going to be all the time because he's not young. It can't happen. But like when they play a team that's decimated in the secondary or, or fucked at linebacker, Ben Watson can have seven catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. You know, and he's going to do it two. He's going to do it two yep. or three times, and that gets you to twenty. That gets you to twenty, twenty-five catches, and then the other 12, 13 games, he'll catch like thirty balls, and that'll get him to fifty. You know. Um, so I just think he's going to he's going to do a good thing and listen they went for Kobe Fleener and it didn't work they'd have probably just been better off signing Ben Watson for 2 years 8 million what he got from Baltimore they'll never admit that but maybe if you if you got a, a couple of beers and Sean Payton he would so now we come to the fourth 
We should probably talk. We should probably yeah, talk we should. About and that's with a fourth round year. pick. Uh, Saints Twitter lost their fucking minds over this pick because he wasn't on boards. He wasn't on in Mike Detillier's book. It wasn't this. They picked the the tackle Rick Leonard from Florida State. And Is that true? He, he wasn't. Or in he was. Book? He was the. He was like the the like like not in the top 400 of somebody i don't know if it was mike detillier or it was somebody else and that people were losing their minds but i look at it andrew and my thought is he's the offensive version of onyamata and akeem hicks right he just he's a dude that's super raw that's gigantic and the saints are like we like his skill set and we're gonna try to groom him. yeah i mean the thing about so once you get to the fourth round and every pick after that you know, that in the fifth, sixth, seventh, the odds of those guys sticking are pretty slim. You know, that m- most of those guys don't work out. So I just think you have to think outside the box to hit on those picks. And I have no problem taking a risk. See, people get pissed about, people say, oh, you have to take a risk in the fourth round, but like, to me, or in the first round, but like to me, the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round is not where you want to play it safe. Playing it safe is picking a guy like Vinny Sinceri that everyone knows and everyone sees that pick and like, oh, they, Vinny Sinceri is a great player. And, and just because he was good at Alabama and people saw him win titles and saw him being a captain and they think that translates to the NFL, but people quickly, quickly realize that a guy like Sinceri is done after three years in the league and that's that's the league average for guys like that they get picked in that round so yeah when you look at this guy and i think sean payton did a really good job explaining it to people you know he basically said look this guy has one year of starting under his belt as a tackle he his tape was pretty bad to start the year and every start he got better and better and better and so that tells us that he watches tape it tells us that he is thinking about his mistakes and improving on them. And so that means he's coachable. So that means his ceiling's high because he can continue to improve at a faster rate than maybe a guy that's played in college for four years and maybe is close to hitting his ceiling. Um, this guy to me reminds me a lot of Zach Streif in that he's 6'7 and he has quick feet. So I think, first of all, you look at his height, you look at his size, and you look at his ability to move pretty quickly laterally, and that is really hard to find in the NFL. That that's the stuff you can't teach. So let um, him be ta- let him be let him be tackle purely- eligible all year. He can be active for like 10, 12 games, right? Get play fifteen percent of the plays, twenty percent of the plays. It's a great first year for him. But God help us if he has to start. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So. You know, the story about Zach Streif is that, you know, he said that he was, he said this in his retirement speech that um, after training camp, I mean, there was one point in training camp where he decided he was garbage. He was getting killed every day. And he's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to finish out this practice. And then I'm telling the coaches that it's over. I'm done. And he said that during that practice, every guy started dropping like they, they were dropping like flies. And so then he's in with the first team and he's starting a tackle as a rookie. And he said that he was getting roasted. He was utter garbage. Every play he's getting beat like a drum. 
And the coaches are being super positive and they're telling him, Zach, you're doing great. We love it. You're doing great. And he knew the coaches were full of shit, but they had to tell him that because they had no one else. And so Street was like, all right, well, I'm not going to quit now because they don't have anyone else. And if I quit, like, they, didn't have they, they literally have no one else that can play tackles. So, so, but no, I guess not, but. But I, that was a great story. But, you know, he goes on to basically say that he had John Stinchcomb to thank um, for making his career because he said that he afforded him the luxury of sitting on the bench and watching. And every once in a while he'd get in and he'd be tackle eligible. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, for the most part he was playing the jumbo package and he was playing here and there. But he, he never started and he was a backup for a long time. And he just said that when I came to the league – I wasn't ready and I was very fortunate to kind of learn at my own pace. And eventually by the time I became a starter, um, I was seasoned enough. I had learned enough tricks and I was ready to play. I would spent enough time in the weight room and I was ready and I could be a player in the league. And he said, if I had been, been thrown in there, and he'll be a disaster, to start but hopefully year one, have to I wouldn't have made it. Yeah. And you look at guys like I mean, you look at Stinchcomb. You look at guys. Just Stinchcomb was the same way. He 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 was garbage the first couple of years. Remember how much we dogged him and said that he was a bust. Was I re- I remember the late the late Hokie Gajon saying about Stinchcomb. He's he was like, he's like he's not strong enough. He needs to he's get stronger. Strong I think he can be an okay guard. I don't think he can play tackle. And, and yeah. Yeah, and he made, and then he made the Pro Bowl, and same with German Bushrod. Yeah. We were ready to cut him, and then he was a Pro Bowler. You know, Jamal Brand goes down. So, um, you know, I, I think the bottom line is when you look at all these guys, um, some take time to develop, some are good immediately. Yeah. And you take, if you take a project, you take the project with the high upside. You don't take a project with a guy who doesn't have anywhere yep. to go, Yep. you know? And that's what they did. And I just think – and besides it's like I can't get worked up over a fourth-round pick, especially a fourth-round pick where they didn't trade, they didn't move up. It wasn't like Onyemata where they moved up and gave up a pick. It wasn't like – See, I think Saints fans get antsy because he was the third guy they picked. And last year the third guy they picked was <laughs> yeah. Marcus Williams. And the fourth guy they picked was like Kamara, right? So – you know, so I mean, I get on some level, I mean, I get Saints fans being antsy, but when you pick a guy in the fourth round, again, I, I just go back to why not think outside the box and take a guy from Canada if you love his upside or some guy that no one else is thinking of. I kind of love that personally because these guys are all supposed to flame out and the odds say they're not going to work out. So if you see something that no one else sees, I almost find it most more intriguing because you you've got to be creative to hit on. Yeah, I mean, and look, the the last couple they 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 were right on Hicks. He's great for the Bears, not so great for the Saints. I think they're right on Yamada, and we'll see. We'll yeah, but Hicks 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 had a good season. I mean, he was like I mean, after twenty thirteen, we thought he was coming because he was really he was he was he was really good in twenty thirteen. I mean. I would still say that Hicks was a good pick because he had a couple good seasons for the Saints, and then he got them Who Man, who's still on the team. And Who Man isn't anything special, but I mean, Hick, Hicks 
is still, I mean, the fact that who man is still on the team means that Hicks's pick is still producing value for the roster. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, think it was a decent So the, the rest of the picks, uh, Jamerson, your thought, he's intrigued. He's intriguing to me because I think he's going to, I think he's going to play a ton, uh, on special teams and his, uh, training camp superstar potential Andrew is phenomenal like if you said bet money on a dude that's going to be the star of training camp I might bet on him yeah I had an email exchange once with um Chris Banjo and uh, you know special team standout for the Saints and I remember him telling me he's just like you know the reason it's so critical to be so good on special teams and he's like the smart players figure this out really early like high school and college that if you can rock it on special teams, that it will afford you the luxury of learning and staying on a roster long enough to eventually, eventually make it at a skill position. And yeah, to figure right, it out. Right, and then eventually he figures it out. Yeah, because the coaches say, "I can't. We can't. We can't." We can't cut Jamerson, man. He's a he's a disaster at slot corner, but he's our gunner and he's awesome at it, you know. And so they they let you. It was interesting, and they were debating between Jamerson and Cameron Moore, and Cameron Moore was there at their next pick. Um, he's a corner. I mean, I at corner. Do you think PJ Williams is in trouble on this roster, perhaps? With, with more no, I don't think so. I mean, I think the Saints are pretty set with their top four guys. You know, I, 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 I think their top four guys are set. I think it's, I mean, barring injury, of course, but I just have a hard time seeing anyone challenge Lattimore, Crawley, Robinson, and PJ. Like, to me, that's the top four. Um, and then whoever stands out on special teams from there is going to make this team. And that's the thing about this year. Like the Saints roster is pretty deep. Like it, it's tough. It's going to be tough to crack. I, I like. I don't see the, a lot of these UDFA's. I'll be surprised if more than yeah more than one. Make it's, it it's no. Yeah, I mean, and they Saints said it after yeah. after like our UDFAs this year aren't going to be great, and that's why they paid they paid that tight end Yoder, I think his name was. They gave him like a hundred. They gave him like a hundred grand guarantee, and because they, I think they just looked at it and they were like, God, we need a tight end. This guy's pretty highly rated. Let's roll the dice on him because there. I mean, if you look at the Saints, where's a good spot for you to if you're a UDFA and you could pick any team? Like, where's a spot that you if you're if you're a UDFA corner, you're like, nah, they're pretty deep at corner. I mean, uh, tight end is the only one. I mean, maybe running back because Tremaine uh, Ed, or Trey Edmonds is their third string running back. So, you know, David Boston, he's another one that's going to be. You mean Boston uh, Scott? Boston Scott. Why David, David Boston? David Boston. Oh, the old uh, NFL receiver that, that drugged his way the out. Pill of the popper. Yeah, the pill popper. Yeah. Uh, Boston Scott, he, but he's another guy that could be a, a train camp superstar because he's going to be playing a lot of fourth quarter garbage time and he's super small and super fast, which will make him fun. Um, so, uh, but how, he, he seems to me more like a practice squad. Guy. I think so. Yeah. I mean, his real opportunity is going to be in the return game. You know, there, there is a spot at punt returner. I mean, right now it's Tommy Lee's, um, there are so many receivers 
that um, I think Tommy Lee's going to have more trouble making the team as a receiver. So that punt returner spots up for grabs and that maybe we're Boston Scott has a shot. Yeah. So I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because the saints, the saints picked an LSU player, Andrew, they picked Will Clapp in seventh round, brother Martin. Love it. Uh, Love it. Uh, he seems like a guy, he might have a hard time making the roster, but they broke the, they curse. Broke the, the, the curse of Al Woods after eight years has ended. Um, they view him at center. Um, he could be a guy that I could see him practice squad early because I he 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 would be a guy that I think they could cut, and I don't think a team other teams would jump up to claim him. Um, but he's got I think he's got a he's got a real good shot. He played a bunch at LSU. Uh, I think he's got a real shot to stick in the NFL in in with the Saints. Totally. Yep. Um, well, first of all, if Unger goes down. I mean, I, I wouldn't hate him being the starting center, even if it was for a short period of time. I mean, you look at LSU the last three years and what Fournette, Fournette, and Geis were able to do. Um, you know, made all the calls. I mean, that he he literally was a trench blocker for three of the most prolific yardage on the ground seasons for individual backs in LSU history. Um, and so when you look at it through that prism, you know, I know he was banged up a little bit last year and, and the year before, and really it was probably his sophomore year that he was at his best when he was an all American. Um, you know, if he, if he had gone into the draft after a sophomore year, he would have probably been a second or third round pick. Um, so now he gets picked in the seventh, but, um, if he can get healthy, he's maybe not a physical freak. Yep. Um, so his ceiling's a little yeah. bit lower, but he's smart. He's physical. And I just think I think that's a guy that, you know, could easily start for you and end up having a pretty good career. Yeah, I mean he to me, he could be a guy like um Brian De La Puenta, where, you know, my, you know, my theory on offensive line, Andrew, is that you can hide one kind of weak spot, you know? So yeah. if the Saints needed, if the Saints needed to plug him in and it was Armstead, Pete, clap for three weeks, Warford and Ramchek, it'd you be You know, okay. it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned Brian De La Puente because that was what Sean Payton said, you know, talking about the draft. He's like, yeah, we really haven't had an interior guy that could play center since Brian De La Puente. And so he, yeah, that was high praise. I thought of, of clap, you know, basically saying our vision for him is that he can come in out, you know, Cameron Tom is a guy that can play center a little bit too. So I, yeah. they like him. They like him. They like him a lot. They, 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 they consciously, they consciously last year paid him as if he was on the 53, which you can do to one dude on the practice squad and then put him on the 53 to keep, teams from poaching him so obviously the saints they saw enough in him to convince him to stay on the practice squad when he could have left yeah so i mean i i don't i definitely don't think it's a guarantee that he makes the roster but i feel good about him being on the practice squad and i think he has an outside chance of being one of the backup interior linemen all right so we got twitter questions so cody asked who gets more receptions or touchdowns saints number three or four receiver, or whoever the starting tight end is. You said it. You when we, I asked you this question before. I'm going with Watson. Yeah, I, I, 
Meredith intrigues me, but I think Watson. Who's an, here's another question: Which draft pick has the highest chance to make the making a tangible difference? I mean, this it's got to be Davenport. Uh, I would say da- Davenport with Traquan Smith not being out of the question. I think that I think, yeah, I I, I like um, I think I think I think Davenport's going to be good. I think I think he's going to be six to eight sacks. And it's going to be, he's going to, it's going to, it's going to be a lot of, oh my God, can he just do what he did this past week? Can he just start doing that week in and week out? Like it's going to be very inconsistent and it might even be some games where it's like two and a half sacks, no sacks for a month, two and a half sacks, no sacks for three weeks. You know, Uh, I just think it's going to be, um, if, if Davenport is a bust, but the Saints win the Super Bowl anyway, does the trade even matter? I mean, that's like that's like saying, but that's like saying you invested in a Ponzi scheme and went broke, but you won the Powerball, so it worked out okay. That would still make the that would still make the trade a disaster. We just wouldn't care, but the trade would still be terrible. We wouldn't we wouldn't care, but it still makes the trade terrible. It's like we said at the beginning of the show. Just because you like the trade and you like YOLO, it doesn't mean that the Saints got a bargain and they didn't spend a shit ton for Davenport. Uh, which of the draft picks this is from Alfredo? Which of the draft picks did the Saints low key steal? You think, uh, Andrew? I mean, Clap in the seventh round feels that way a little bit. Yeah, like if, even if Clap's a career, if you get a, if he's a career backup and he's like seventy percent of Seno Calamete in the seventh round, that's a steal, and you would do that every time. Alfredo, I said it on the show that we had to tape yesterday, and we had to tape this one again because we had issues because our host is terrible. Uh, I think Davenport. Yeah, we miss you. We miss you. We Dave. miss you, Dave. <laughs> uh, I think Davenport's going to be the steal of the draft. I think the show is better. Going with Dave. to it is better with Dave because Dave is angry and salty and just uh, it's 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 better when it's Dave and Kevin. If we, we Kevin's so busy with the girlfriend and other things, we got to get Kevin back on. But I, I think Davenport's going to be a low key steal and and is going to be good enough to where people are going to be like, "Damn, Green Bay, you should have just taken Davenport." Like I, I think he's going to be really, really. I think he's going to be really, really good and have a ton of sacks. He might not do anything else, but he's gonna have he's gonna have a lot of sacks, and he's gonna be able, he's gonna be good enough to like figure it out uh, as he goes, you know? Um, yeah, which is fine. Um, who wins? Ooh, this is a good question. Who wins the starting role? Okafor, uh, Okafor to start. Uh, did the Saints screw up by not filling needs like tight end and uh, linebacker? You know, tight end maybe. Um, you know, I, I think the main thing is they stayed true to their board, and ideally they would have gotten a tight end. It just never really panned out for them that way. And, um, you know, so I think if they had stuck at 27, maybe they would have picked a tight end, but – you know, they got their pass rusher. So, I mean, you can't hit on everything. And, um, you know, how many drafts have we said need a corner? We need a corner. How could they not get a corner? We need pass rush. Well, you know, the last two years we've gotten Davenport and Lattimore. And uh, so you can't fill everything. And uh, linebacker I'm less worried about because I think DeMarco Davis is going to be pretty good. Um, and A.J. Klein last year. I mean, I like A.J. Klein. So, um but yeah, I'm tight end. I'm not psyched about. I mean, Ben Watson's gonna have to have a good year, and he's gonna have to be healthy. 
Here, here's the thing, and, and that's the questions, and we kind of final thoughts. And this is the reason why the more I think about the Davenport trade, I really like it. And that whoever else they would have picked, if they'd have picked a lineman or a receiver, whoever, it wouldn't have had a chance to fundamentally change their franchise. I look at Davenport, and let's say Davenport is an all-pro defensive end. Well, even if Breeze is gone in two or three years, you have Cam Jordan will be on the downside probably by then, but you'll have you'll have an all-pro corner and an all-pro defensive end on your defense. Basically, your defensive foundation is set up for you to be pretty good and you won't fall off a cliff because you'll have the two most important things in to play defense in 2018 in the NFL and Davenport gives you that chance at least. So um, I like it. I mean, it could go, it could go boom, Andrew, and we could be bitching and complaining because we get, they gave up a top five pick and green Bay has it. Um, but what, if I said to you five and a half sacks over under for Davenport, what would you say? Five and a half, five and a half. I'd go under, I think four and a half is really the, where I would struggle. Yeah. That would be a tough call for me. I, I, I just think, I just think, man, you look at what Mohammed did and I know he didn't, he didn't play any in the year, so we can't tell, but that dude was out of football for like two years and his physical skills in the preseason shown phenomenal. Right. So why can't Mm -hmm. that, translate a little bit with Davenport during the year you know I just yeah I mean it's it's not impossible I mean if he plays a garbage left tackle for (laughs) for a week or two you know I mean it happens you know where you I mean that helps where you just play some guy that's just awful Bryce Harris um because of injuries or whatever yeah yeah if if you have to go up against Bryce Harris I mean maybe you get a sack and a half I mean George Johnson benefited from that a yeah. couple times, so you know it's possible. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I think Okafor Okafor is going to be in, important to protect him a little bit his rookie year and let him develop. So, final thought, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, how much did the draft change your opinion of the twenty eighteen uh, Saints? significantly in that it's kind of a step away from we're building for the long haul. You know, it, it feels like back to YOLO, got to win while Breeze is here. Yeah, so that's a great way to say I still say they're better. I think Davenport's going to be worth it, uh, and it's going to get him another Super Bowl. How's that for optimism, Andrew? So for Dave, who couldn't make it, for Kevin, who's off in the Rockies somewhere, uh, I'm Ralph. Uh, until next week, the bar is closed. I hope take two work. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.